we should never be comfortable where we are. You know, we should always be aspiring to, to know more and to better ourselves and to improve ourselves because that's how we improve the world around us. You know, you may not touch a gazillion lives, but you can light up your own space. everybody welcome to the impressive channel this music documentary profiles the career of the recording artist lauren hill lauren hill is a rapper singer writer producer and an actress who has made an astounding imprint on hip-hop and r&b music she awakened social consciousness with her compelling lyrics and moved audiences with her soulful voice. She is responsible for creating one of the highest selling and most acclaimed hip-hop R&B albums of all time, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Her musical gift, intellect, creativity, and overall sincerity inspired many and continues to inspire many today. Lauren Hill's musicality was honed at an early age. Her eclectic upbringing allowed her to be introduced to a variety of music. I grew up around a lot of music. I mean, like Spanish guitarists who some people, you know, wouldn't even know. People like Gilberto and Jose Feliciano. I had a lot of influences, you know, like uh, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Donnie Hathaway, um, you know, a little Bob Marley. Stevie Wonder's uh, songs in the key of life, the whole album, I just remember hearing Isn't She Lovely and, you know, and pretending to iron, you know. So from a very young age, it was a lot of music. By listening, you know what I mean, I, I grew an appreciation for uh, certain musical philosophies and ideas and concepts. Besides music, Lauren was into other things like acting, athletics, and dancing. Lauren loved to perform, and she decided to take her talents to the Apollo stage. She soon found out that the Apollo was not a welcoming environment. The audience booed 13-year-old Lauren as she struggled to sing Jackson 5's Who's Loving You. Lauren fought through the heckling and finished off strong. Luckily, the experience as a whole did not discourage Lauren from singing. Be there for you, like you've been there for me a thousand times. In high school, she joined a hip-hop music group. The group was founded by her eccentric Haitian friend, Pros. I started the Fugees. It was myself, this girl named Marcy, and then she introduced me to Lauren Hill. So it was actually me and two girls, so me, Marcy, and Lauren. Waxler didn't get into the group till a year and a half later. First of all, I met Prize in high school, and Prize, wow. He's the only guy I know in high school with a pinky ring. And, uh, you know, and I remember when I first met him, he said, you know, Lauren, you know, I got this group, you know, I heard you could sing, so I think you could join my group. And I was like, all right. And he introduced me to his cousin, Wyclef. And, you know, he, woo. He walked into the studio and he had on like a, an entire Batman uniform, buckles on his boots, and he was just very dramatic. And, you know, we made good music. Lauren and Proz's group made a few adjustments. One of their original members, Marcy, left the group, and Wyclef John came in as a permanent member. They named their group the Translator Crew, which later on became the Fugees, short for refugees. Lauren was initially brought into the group to sing hooks on songs, but she eventually started rapping. Lauren had a deeper message she wanted to convey, and she saw hip-hop as the perfect outlet to do it. Um, I think I chose to become a rapper because, you know, I, I had a lot of things that I wanted to say, and at that point, you know, R&B music wasn't really uh, being used to make any statements. It was hip-hop. Lauren Pross and Wyclef pursued their music career with fervor. They recorded demos and landed a few gigs while still balancing school. Their hard work and talent ended up paying off because they were offered record deals by three different labels. We had three other deals on the table. So Jimmy gave us an offer, or Jive gave us, gave us an offer, and everyone else's offer was really high and Columbia was the lowest one. I'm talking about it was extremely low. The Fugees ended up signing with Rough House Records, which was under Columbia and Sony. 
Even though Rough House offered the least amount of money, the group made a mutual decision to sign with the label because the label executives supported their direction as a group and the label was seemingly more in tune with the hip hop culture as a whole. Around this time, Lauryn Hill had another exciting endeavor on her plate, acting. Lauren had prior acting experience doing plays and appearing on the soap opera As the World Turns. But in 1993, she had the golden opportunity to star in a movie alongside Whoopi Goldberg called Sister Act 2. My first uh, major film was uh, Sister Act 2, Whoopi Goldberg, directed by Bill Duke. And I never realized how significant Sister Act 2 was to so many young children. Lauren's performance in Sister Act 2 drew the attention of many, including a major star, Michael Jackson. Music executive Jerry Greenberg revealed that Michael wanted to sign her to his sub-label MJJ Records. Jerry said in an interview, Michael called me up in the middle of the night and said, Jerry, did you see Sister Act 2? I said, no. He said, there's a girl in the movie that you have to see. It was the lead singer of the Fugees, Lauren Hill. He said, I want to sign her. I knew who managed the group, so I called him and said, Michael, I found out she's in a group called the Fugees, but I spoke to their manager, and if the first record doesn't happen, I think she would love to do a solo record with us. The Fugees' first record did happen. In 1994, they released their first album, Blunted on Reality, which spawned three singles. Hey, y'all, I used to drive a hoopty. Check me down, Snoopy. Rolling with the Joe, but I asked if it's home or no. Yo, Mona Lisa, could I get a date on Friday? And if you're busy, I wouldn't mind taking Saturday. Blunted on Reality was a good effort from the Fugees, considering it was their first project. The lyricism and content was strong, but the reception was weak. The musical sound was slightly dated because the album was released almost two years after it was created. Around that time, hip-hop was rapidly evolving. Blunted on Reality sold a shockingly low number in the first week. Yeah, we sold about, at that time, around 12 copies. 12 copies. Yeah. Nobody bought the album. So, what, 12 people did. We'd be in the street like, hey, you want our autograph? No? Okay. All right, bye. The album managed to sell a few thousand copies, but Rough House and Columbia Records were dissatisfied with the numbers. The Fugees almost got dropped from their label, but their team fought for them to stay on. The Fugees were grateful for the second chance, and they gained new motivation to prove themselves. They knew that in order to make a stamp in hip-hop, they had to set the trend, not adapt to the trend. This would be a fun challenge for them. Lauren Hill had an additional challenge that Praz and Wyclef didn't have. She had to learn how to navigate the ropes as a female rapper in a male-dominated genre. She was an essential part of the Fugees with a powerful voice and an unmatched lyrical gift. However, she had to work harder to receive the same acknowledgement as her male peers. I remember doing interviews with the guys and, you know, and the interviewer would be like, you know, now Wyclef, tell us about your thoughts on the world. Praz, what do you think of hip hop as an industry? Lauren, what is your favorite color of lipstick? I'd be like, no. Now, women in hip-hop is mad important, and I see, I know there are a lot of strong female MCs. Whether or not they got the, you know, the um, acknowledgement that they should have, they've always been there. And just now, you know, perhaps somebody like Rage, about to get his first female album that goes platinum, hopefully. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they'll truly be acknowledged. My, there seems to be a lot of crews today, making rhythms, busting schisms, puffing isms, and all the infinite wisdom of the great one, elated one, debated one, I'm a, I deflated, one too many egos, that rose that go for solo. Stalking like the beast, I rise in the east, and if you with me, you'll be deceased. It was clear that Lauren could hold her own in a freestyle and rap with the best of them, but Lauren also had an equally impressive gift singing. Her vocals would be one of the highlights of the Fuji's next album, The Score. His eyes on the sparrow, and 
$235,000 budget, the Fugees worked on the score and they wrote and produced every song using mostly live instruments. They blended old school samples with new school sounds and created a unique masterpiece. The score would far surpass their first record, Blunted on Reality. The album generated three massive hits, including their first single, Fuji La. Their next single was Killing Me Softly, which was a remake of Roberta Flack's record Killing Me Softly with his song. This would be an unlikely yet groundbreaking hit for the Fugees. Killing Me Softly got leaked. Some rec some radio stations start playing it. We didn't even want to release that record. <laughs> it just came out. It was like, oh, okay. soulful vocals shined on the popular track and it drew in many music fans. The song peaked to number one on multiple charts and gave the score a huge boost in sales. Their third single was Ready or Not, which was also a big success. Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, gonna find you. Olay, everyone wants to be a cowboy, grab your gun boys, Olay. In a year's time, the score sold 6 million copies in the U.S. alone. In the midst of the Fuji success came some controversy. Reports circulated that Lauren made inflammatory comments about white people, saying that she would rather die than for them to listen to her music. Lauren Hill cleared up the rumors on Howard Stern's radio show and said that it was absolutely not true. I'm anti-destructive social situations that cause hostility and anger in the ghetto. No, but, but you're not, not against, are you against white people buying your music? No, not no. at all. The Fugees bypassed the controversy and continued performing and creating music. They created another hit song for the movie Love Jones, led by Lauryn Hill, called The Sweetest Thing. Was the sweet, sweet, sweetest step in a solo direction and collaborated with the rapper Nas. The Fugees won two Grammys, including Best R&B Performance and Best Rap Album. Surprisingly enough, the Fugees disbanded during the height of their success. According to Lauren's former manager, Jason Jackson, Lauren wanted to go solo due to some conflict within the group. The record label was not too pleased with the idea of Lauren doing a solo record because they wanted her to do another Fuji's record, but she wanted some creative freedom. You know, I'd intended to be in the group forever until I found myself in, in circumstances where I felt the, the inner desire to express myself freely and openly without any constraint, you know, without anybody saying, hey, that's, you can't say that. That's not, that's not fly, you can't say that. People won't, you know what I mean? So, you know, the only way I could have done that was in doing a solo release. Creative freedom wasn't the sole reason why the group split up. Conflict between Lauren and Wyclef helped cause the split. Lauren and Wyclef developed a romantic relationship while spending time together in the studio. Wyclef pursued Lauren and they started dating. Right. At that time, it was more of a muse type of relationship. Mm. If I was to put it like in a metaphor, it's almost like I was in heaven wow. and I was an angel. And then God was like, yo, man, go to earth. And you see this woman here. She do not fall in love with her. And man, a year later, man, you're like, God, man, I heard what you said, man, but <laughs> this human being looked too beautiful I'm to sorry. let that happen. 
The relationship took a complicated turn when Wyclef married another woman named Marie Claudinette. Even though Wyclef was married, he still pursued Lauren, and unfortunately, Lauren caved to his advances. The relationship was an emotional roller coaster for them both. Wyclef revealed in his book Purpose that they sometimes would get into huge fights. Pros strongly disapproved of their relationship from the start. Pros was like, yo, man, Clef was the cancer of the Fugees, you know, like, you shouldn't have messed with the girl. Matter of fact, didn't I warn you about messing with the girl? In 1996, Lauren moved on from Wyclef and started dating Rohan Marley. Rohan was a football player and he was the son of the legendary Bob Marley. An interesting fact, Rohan was introduced to Lauren through Wyclef, according to him. In 1997, Lauren became pregnant and gave birth to her first child. Lauren's pregnancy news got out because Wendy Williams was airing out her business on the radio. During Thursday's recording session, Fuji Lauren Hill confirmed a rumor that had been running rampant through the Grammys on Wednesday. Are you with child? <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't blush on me now. Actually, yes, yes, I am. Congratulations. This is something that was planned and are you excited about it? And Planned in the sense of, um, you know, I'm 21 years old and going around the world, no, but planned in the sense that, um, you know, I'm very much in love and, and very happy. I mean, I see birth as, um, motherhood as a benediction. So I'm just blessed with another responsibility. Rohan was assumed to be the father of Lauren's child because he was dating her. But Wyclef said otherwise. He revealed that he thought Lauren was pregnant with his child. That Lauren was in the hospital having a child. There was nothing in my mind to, to lead me to not believing that it was not mine. Why was I the one in the hospital and not Ro? Lauren was actually pregnant with Rohan's child, which greatly upset Wyclef. Wyclef said that the paternity drama led to the breakup of the Fugees. The predicament was emotionally draining for Lauren. On top of that, she was pressured by the people at her label to get an abortion. The difficult circumstance inspired Lauren to create music. She poured out her heartache and her frustrations and her revelations in different songs. Lauren ended up creating a body of work that would be her staple project called The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. I've gone through a lot, you know, a huge, emotional and, and, and spiritual battle prior to the creation of that album. But it was like once I was delivered from that situation, you know, and once I got the perspective, was able to look back at heartache and look back at pain and disappointment, for some reason, it all was so clear. The creation of her album came with a few obstacles. Rohan Marley revealed to Rolling Stone magazine that Wyclef was telling people that if they worked with Lauren, they could not work with him. Most decided to go with Wyclef since he was an experienced producer. Lauren ended up having to find her own production team. She discovered a group of talented musicians from Newark, New Jersey, and invited them to produce her album. She called them the New Arc Producers. The New Arc Producers helped Lauren create early recordings of the album. When she sent the early recordings to the record executives, they scoffed at it and called it coffee table music. Lauren was offended, but she believed in her work. Around the time Lauren was creating her solo record, she was also writing and arranging music for other artists. to release her solo album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. The album turned out to be a masterful and eclectic piece of work. It contained a fusion of different genres, including hip hop, R&B soul, doo-wop, funk, and reggae. Lauren ordered various instruments into the studio to provide the rich musical sound that she wanted. One of the producers on the album named Joe recalled working with Lauren in an interview with XXL Magazine. He said Lauren was definitely the guide. It was her vision. Our job was to take whatever was in her head and put it down for her. 
The musical sound that was created on the album was brilliant. The sound of the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill album was not the only reason why it was so great. The content was a huge reason as well. The subject matter and the lyrical content gave the album a layer of depth that was missing from the current albums out there at the time. This was one of the factors that distinguished Lauryn's music from the rest. Doo-Wop, That Thing was the album's first leading single and it peaked to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Doo-Wop, That Thing was an up-tempo hip-hop and R&B track with a 50s and 60s vibe. In the song, Lauren cautioned and admonished men and women. The message was intended to convict and encourage the black community to discard negative mindsets and make positive changes. Another single that was released from the album was called Everything Is Everything. All we need is Everything is Everything was a mid-tempo track that included a blend of heavy hip-hop soul elements and rustic orchestral sounds. One of the instruments on the record was played by John Legend. Tara encouraged me to play a song or two for Lauren, and Lauren liked what she heard and asked me to play piano on uh, Everything is Everything, which ended up being a pretty big hit. Everything is Everything fell in line with Lauren's theme to awaken the social consciousness of people in society. Lauren's next single was called The X Factor. X Factor was a very personal song that detailed Lauren's romantic woes. No out her emotions on other Love Lauren theme songs on the album. Many people surmised that her heartbreak songs were about her complicated relationship with Wyclef. More than likely they were right. Another one of Lauren's radio singles was called To Zion featuring Carlos Santana. The song was a heartfelt ballad dedicated to her first son Zion, who she quietly gave birth to before the release of her album. Around the time the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill album was released, Lauren was pregnant again with her second child, Selah. It was a crucial time for her to perform and promote her record, so one could imagine that her pregnancy news was not warmly received by the label. Lauren's music still continued to do exceptionally well, and she was able to perform at the Billboard Awards while concealing her pregnancy. The miseducation of Lauren Hill was highly acclaimed. Lauren managed to cover different topics that resonated with many music listeners. The album was bold, introspective, enlightening, emotive, romantic, creative, and uplifting. The album sold over 19 million records worldwide, making it the highest selling album from a female rapper ever. It also made its mark as one of the most impactful hip hop albums of all time. Lauryn Hill became a powerful voice for her generation, and she received a mass amount of respect from her peers and music critics. She also graced several major magazine covers, proudly displaying her Afrocentric beauty. Lauryn earned numerous awards for her solo album, including multiple Grammys. She was the first woman to be nominated in 10 different Grammy categories in one year, and she was the first woman to win five Grammys in one night including the most prestigious album of the year award. Everything in Lauren's life was moving super fast. Her new level of superstardom came with more demands and she started feeling the pressure. She found herself unexpectedly placed on a pedestal, which was somewhat of an awkward position for her to be in. The honor to me has less to do with the award. To me that translates in the relationship that I have with the audience and if my music uh, is helpful to them. That's the award. So I'm, you know, I, I, I get really afraid of those little comfort, you know, those, those things that make us feel like, you know, we did something great. Because I've done nothing. I've done nothing. Lauren was only 23 years old and she was still learning a lot about life, but she carried a wisdom that went far beyond her years. In a way, she felt like she had a responsibility to be an example to the youth. I'm specifically speaking to you guys up there. There's absolutely nothing that I'm doing that y'all can't do, every single one of you. I'm 23 years old and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a kid, you know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a child in this. 
There's so many great people who came before me who have put their hearts and their souls on the line for music. I'm just one person, you know what I mean? God has given me the opportunity and I'm so thankful. But just know that we all have the potential to do anything and whatever. Lauren became more spiritual as well. She developed a close relationship with God and she made it known to the public that God was her source. Every time uh, I think of, of what God has allowed me to do and how he's used me, um, I just realize how blessed I am. And uh, because I am not embarrassed to say that I love God in front of the great assembly. I love him truly and I'm committed to doing his work. Lauren's spirituality was criticized by some self-righteous people who did not approve of her being an unwed mother making secular music. Lauren tearfully responded to the criticism during her acceptance speech at the Essence Awards. I want to let young people know it is not a burden to love him and to represent him and to be who you are as fly and as hot and as whatever and to still love God and to serve him. It's not a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. Public criticism wasn't the only thing Lauren dealt with. Behind the scenes, more issues were brewing. Lauren's producers from her Miseducation of Lauren Hill album filed a 50-page lawsuit against her. The New Ark producers claimed that they were cheated out of millions of dollars of royalties. Lauren was credited as the only songwriter and producer on the album, even though she worked with other collaborators. Lauren never offered the New Ark producers a formal contract because she did not want business to interfere with their art or their relationship. The New Ark producers were initially paid $100,000 for publishing rights, but they realized that they were cheated out of millions of dollars when they saw how well the album did in sales. The legal battle was painful for both parties, particularly Lauren. Lauren developed a close relationship with the Newark producers, and it was disheartening to witness her friends sue her. It was also disheartening to hear people accuse her of being a music thief. Even though Lauren had helped creating her solo album, it didn't take away from the fact that she was a skillful songwriter and a music visionary. While dealing with the lawsuit, Lauren was pressured to go on a world tour. The Miseducation tour was very successful, but Lauren found herself feeling drained. She was relieved when she finally completed all of her tour dates. My whole life at a certain point was studio, hotel, stage, hotel, stage, studio, stage, hotel, studio, stage, you know, and I felt like a cistern, you know, dried up and like there was nothing more. Lauren went on to create more music. She penned a hit for Mary J. Blige's album called All That I Can Say. All that I can say. She collaborated with other artists, including CeeLo Green, Carlos Santana, and the late Bob Marley on the remix of his song, Turn Your Lights Down Low. Lauryn Hill was also supposed to collaborate with Mariah Carey on a song called Crystal Ball. There were a few problems though. Mariah was frustrated with Lauryn's label because they would not agree to release the song in time to make it on her album Rainbow. Mariah skipped out on the recording session without Lauryn's knowledge due to the miscommunication between their teams. Mariah tried to reschedule another session, but Lauren was too busy and she was no longer interested in the collaboration. Mariah said in an impromptu press conference, if you're not careful, the media can come between a collaboration, especially when you have two incredibly public icons collaborating, such as Lauren and myself. I still have faith in the song and in the idea that both her and I can make it happen. Unfortunately, it never happened. As the year 1999 closed out, Lauren's visibility in the public eye faded. Lauren was allegedly offered movie roles in major films like Charlie's Angels, The Matrix, and The Bourne Identity, but she turned them down. Her sudden absence from the music industry raised a lot of questions. Where did Lauren Hill go? What's she doing now? When is she going to release more music? Lauren, however, had to take a step back from the music industry. 
she wanted to experience a life of normalcy again. I returned to a normal situation with my children running around, screaming, <laughs> you know, and, and it was wonderful. And I walked down the street and I went grocery shopping and I loved it. The label executives weren't too supportive of Lauren's hiatus. They were anxious for her to get back in the studio and create more music. Lauren, however, did not want to create, especially if she was not inspired. I'm not in the studio right now and everybody in my world thinks I'm crazy. What's going on? You need another album out. You know, the time is running out. You have a window, a certain window to make music. And um, for a little while I listened to that. And I was like in the studio working real hard, trying to get it done. And you know, music was created. Definitely music that I think people will appreciate, but it wasn't my best. And it wasn't my best because there was no substance. And there was no substance because there was no experience. And the only reason why The Miseducation was the album it was was because of a myriad of experiences that took place before the production part. So what I realized is, you know what? I can't create and not live. You know, I, I never want to condescend. There are a lot of people who condescend to the audience. You know, they, they just think, oh, they like anything. Just throw a beat on it and put your voice on it. But if it doesn't move me, then I don't think it's worthy enough to put out there and move someone else, you know what I mean? Lauren still had a heavy weight to get off of her back, the lawsuit. The Newark producers filed a lawsuit against Lauren, her management team, and her label. In 2001, they won big in court. Lauren and her label had to pay the Newark producers $5 million. One of the producers, Fada Nobles, told Rolling Stone magazine that Lauren was the one who gave up on fighting them in court. He said this, eventually Lauren decided that she didn't want to go on with it no more. The lawyers were mad that she wanted to quit. Kilo and I went to her house and made peace right after the dispositions. I haven't seen or heard from her since. After the lawsuit debacle, things started to change in Lauren's life. Her former manager, Jason Jackson, noticed that Lauren's devotion to her faith increased. Lauren became affiliated with this mysterious spiritual advisor named Brother Anthony. Some suspected that Brother Anthony was a cult leader instead of an actual spiritual advisor. They noticed that Lauren began to grow distant from some people around her, including her manager, Jason. Lauren had a reason for distancing herself. She revealed that during her time of solitude, she had to confront her fears and fight against negative thoughts. She sometimes doubted herself. She didn't know if she could make another masterpiece like The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, and she was taunted with the thoughts that she couldn't make music without her Newark producers. Because that enemy, he would tell me, you know, you, you don't have the 20-piece band, you can't do nothing. I said, yeah, sure, keep talking. Unbeknownst to the public, Lauren may have been dealing with a deeper battle than we know. Being a highly influential young black woman who boldly spoke truth and light to millions of listeners was bound to face some resistance, especially from the ones in high places. The music industry is just a microcosm of the world. So whenever you stand for something and you stand for goodness and truth, you will always get resistance, that's period. In order to be used by God, you have to really be used. You know, we always want to be used for the glorious jobs, but that's not being used. Sometimes in order to be used, you also have to be humiliated. You have to be humiliated sometimes. You have to be kicked and beaten. It's obvious that Lauren was going through some personal and spiritual battles, and some suspected that Brother Anthony might have been the cause behind it. Pross said in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, Brother Anthony was definitely on some other stuff. I had a tape of his teachings, and that stuff is ill. Messed me up. I can't really explain it. It was some weird stuff, man. It was some real cult stuff. Lauren's spiritual advisor might have had an influence on her to draw away from the music industry. There were other reasons why Lauren Hill became disinterested in the music industry. She wanted to be free to create music without having to compromise her art or submit to the label's demands. The label executives grew impatient with Lauren and they wanted her to release a second solo album promptly. Lauren followed her obligations 
In 2001, she performed the first song off of her second project called Adam Lives in Theory. Many viewers were surprised at the change in Lauren's appearance. Lauren had cut off all of her locks and wore casual baggy clothes because she was pregnant at the time. She marked her return to the Essence Awards with a simple acoustic performance instead of a grand musical show. She performed her song, Adam Lives in Theory, which was an allegorical breakdown of mankind's fall from grace, using Adam and Eve from the Bible as an example. The song was received with indifference by the audience. It was something that they weren't expecting. Lauren's new musical era as a whole was unexpected. In July of 2001, she taped her MTV Unplugged special after spending all night in the studio with Nas and her producer, Salam Remy. Even though Lauren was tired and hoarse from singing, she still showed up to record her special. The new material she performed had a lot of heavy topics. In some songs, Lauren boldly exposed the depravity of people in power and she rebuked the government and the criminal justice system for its corruption. In other songs, Lauren addressed the carnality and woes of mankind. Lauren's record contained a lot of spiritual themes, some of which may have been too ambiguous to grasp. However, her poetic expression of her spirituality was sincere and not at all contrived. One of the more touching moments in the special was when Lauren performed Peace of Mind. She broke down in tears as she expressed her heart to God, asking him to free her mind. Her vulnerability was heartfelt and courageous. In between songs, Lauren spoke honestly about her personal struggles as an artist. I had created this uh, public persona, this public illusion, and it, became, it, it held me hostage. Whenever we submit our will to someone else's opinion, you know, I mean, a part of us dies. One of her most revealing records on the album was Get Out. Get Out seemed like a denouncement of the music industry. Lauren was tired of being controlled and she did not want to compromise or sell her soul to the machine. She wanted to get out of the industry. Lauren's MTV Unplugged special shocked her label. The episode was supposed to air in 2001, but it was held off until the following year. Her anti-establishment rhetoric was too radical to air, especially around the time the 9-11 attacks happened. The label wasn't too pleased with Lauren's new artistic direction either. They wanted her to stick to the same formula she had during the miseducation of Lauren Hill era. Lauren, however, was no longer in the same place to do that. She could not force something that wasn't real. Executives at Columbia and Sony Records were frustrated because they invested a lot of money on Lauren's second project, and they wanted a return on their investment. It was clear to Lauren that they placed more value on money than her as an artist. In 2002, the label decided to release the audio recording of Lauren's MTV Unplugged special. The reception and sales were disappointing, but the album still managed to go platinum. After the special aired, Lauren left the spotlight again. The following year, she performed in Vatican City and blasted the Catholic Church for their corrupt practices and child abuse scandals. The Catholic officials who were in attendance were completely outraged. The Catholic lead responded by saying Lauren was miserable and her career was declining. Lauren was unaffected by the backlash because she felt like what she said needed to be said. Lauren stayed away from the spotlight. She didn't release any new material or make any appearances on major television networks. She only sporadically gave concerts throughout the year. Her life was a mystery to many because she was a very private person, but she did agree to do a documentary to give people more insight in her life. You know, how can you complete anything of any real value in a fake place? Being a fake thing. I didn't know something about business. I didn't know things about people, nor any real strength or confidence to tell people no and watch them get upset. I grew up conforming myself, and I kind of got tired of it. You know, why do we feel like we have to exist in caricature and not in reality? And some might argue, you know, well, that's show business, honey, and I go, you're right. That's why I'm having such a hard time defining what I do. 
Lauren opened up about why she drifted away from the music industry. Here's what happened. Um, I was not inspired by anything. My focus was too much on the writing and not what I was actually writing. Art and commerce, how did the two, you know, the relationship has always been art does its thing, here you go commerce. You know, but now commerce wants to control art, which it ceases to be art anymore. Lauren Hill is the epitome of an artist. Nothing matters to her but the art. Listen, I'm gonna say this to you. Some people, money is a driving force for them. For her, money isn't a driving force for her. Yeah, I just wanted to be honest that the person that I had portrayed publicly was only a portion of myself. And that I had a broader perspective than what I had allowed. You know, quite frankly, I started to get relatively tormented because I had become too accessible and a little too insincere. People sort of throwing their expectations at me. The documentary was never released to the public because Columbia and Sony pulled the plug on it. In 2004, the unlikely happened. Lauren reunited with her former bandmates, Proz and Wyclef, after eight years of being apart. The comedian Dave Chappelle was actually the reason why they reunited in the first place. With his soul, telling my whole life, with his words. The Fuji's surprise reunion on Dave Chappelle's block party excited many fans. The following year, the Fugees made a comeback at the BET Awards, which was another great moment for the culture. Realizing that there was still a spark between them, Lauren, Pross, and Wyclef decided to make music together again. They recorded a song called The Ish, which was meant to be a single, but it was scrapped. Years later, the song was leaked by DJ Funk Master Flex. Yeah. I wish this blank was on. Y'all ready to take off? Take off. Yeah. Take yeah. off. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Fuji's reunion was short lived due to creative differences and disagreements between the group members. Wyclef and Proz wanted to record a song called Lips Don't Lie. However, Lauren did not care for the song. Wyclef and I were working on Hips Don't Lie. That was a Fuji record, mm. but Lauren didn't like it. The song Lips Don't Lie ended up being passed on to Shakira and it was renamed Hips Don't Lie. Hips Don't Lie became a massive hit. I'm on tonight, you know my hips don't lie and I'm starting to feel your joy. The song would have been great if the Fugees recorded it, but the Fugees would no longer record songs together. Without any warning, Lauren abruptly quit the group. I see you're not gonna believe this, man. I'm depressed. Lauren Hill walked out the studio, the Fugees is done. So she just like, I mean, was she fighting with Clef or like what was going on? I'm not quite sure what sparked it, but I think it was a collective thing. It's unclear why Lauren walked out of the studio that night, Apparently, Wyclef said something that rubbed her the wrong way. Wyclef did make some serious comments concerning her mental stability. And then I know one time after wow. that, I made a statement when I said um, that she needed help because I felt like she was a bit bipolar. When somebody is sick mm -hmm. or something is wrong, other people around them tend to keep them like that. Mm. Wyclef wasn't the only one who made speculations about Lauren's mental health. Media reports made the same claims. Pross defended her in his interview with Rolling Stone magazine. He said, it's not that Lauren is crazy. If it's not the orthodox way, then people tend to say you're crazy. People said Einstein was crazy. Lauren had whatever she was dealing with personally, and sometimes people don't know how to give you a break because she had such an impact. After Lauren left the Fugees, she continued to perform infrequently. She had written a lot of music, but she only had a few recordings that were greenlit by her label. She collaborated on a song with Joss Stone called Music. Prior to that, she was on a remix of John Legend's song, So High. In 2007, Lauren released a new song called Lose Myself for the soundtrack of Surf's Up. 
Lauren was allegedly supposed to collaborate with Little Kim on the song Put Your Lighters Up, which was a remake of Damian Marley's song Welcome to Jam Rock. Welcome to Brooklyn. Now put your lighters up. New Jersey, put your lighters up. Due to label issues, the collaboration did not happen. Lauren occasionally toured here and there, but she canceled shows and she had a reputation of being late to her concerts, which frustrated her fans. In 2010, Lauren began performing more. She performed at the Rock the Bells Hip Hop Festival and received a very warm welcome by the crowd. Many people were excited to see Lauren back on stage again. Lauren. You're back. What beside the kids is the reason why we haven't seen you? Um, I wanted a real life as well, you know, out of public scrutiny. I wanted to be able to live, you know, um, to reclaim my private life. Lauren managed to maintain her privacy for the most part. No one knew much about her personal life other than the fact that she had five children with her longtime fiance, Rohan Marley. However, in 2001, news about her breakup with Rohan hit the web when it was reported that Rohan left Lauren for another woman. At the time, Lauren was pregnant with her sixth child, so people accused Rohan of leaving Lauren while she was pregnant. Lauren, however, cleared up the rumors and said that the two of them had been separated for a long time. She said, contrary to the numerous reports, Mr. Marley did not abandon me while pregnant with his child. We have had long periods of separation over the years, but our children together remain a joy to both of us. Rohan spoke about their breakup in Open Magazine and said, I feel sad that I loved her so much and I faltered in expressing it to her somehow. It was my fault that she did not understand how I felt and it was sad that we did not work out in that relationship since. I was heartbroken for a long time. Later that year, Lauren gave birth to her sixth child, who was reportedly fathered by another man. Even though Rohan was not the father, he sent well wishes to her newborn. Her split with Rohan wasn't the only thing that was reported in the media. Lauren's tax troubles were reported as well. In 2012, Lauren pled guilty to evading federal taxes. She owed $1.8 million to the government from the money she made between 2005 and 2007. Lauren revealed in legal documents that she did not file taxes during those years because she was dealing with real threats against her and her family. It might have sounded like conspiracy talk to the judge, but there was some validity to what she was saying. A few years back, the music icon Prince actually reached out to Lauren to help her and her children because he heard that she was in trouble. I was in a plane, it landed, and my phone rang, and it's Prince. And I said, hey, what's going on? He goes, where are her kids? Where are her kids? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, Lauren Hill, where are her kids? He had found out that Lauren had gotten in some trouble, and the first thing he wanted to know is, where are her kids and what can we do to help? Prince also had issues with the music industry, just like Lauren did. He quietly helped other artists, but he was careful to protect his identity. After pleading guilty to evading her taxes, Lauren served a three-month sentence in prison. In the meantime, she released two singles, Neurotic Society and Consumerism. When Lauren finished her sentence, she revealed that she was working on new music. She released this statement, it has been reported that I signed a new record deal and that I did this to pay taxes. Yes, I have recently entered into an agreement with Sony Worldwide Entertainment to launch a new label on which my new music will be released. And yes, I am working on new music. Since signing her new deal, Lauren, who now goes by Miss Lauren Hill, has been performing more frequently and has been making more TV appearances. She also had another major opportunity to tour with the Fugees again, but things did not work out. So why did this project you guys were working on not materialize? Man, you know, I think the thing with us is it has to feel right. Three, four months ago, we got an offer just to go on the road for about a couple months, $90 million payday. When I went to speak to Lauren, it was just like the energy, like we gotta be in a good space. We don't wanna just go chase a check. Right. If we're gonna do something for the people, it's going, we're gonna leave everything on the stage. In 2018, Miss Lauren Hill announced a new tour celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Miss Education of Lauren Hill album. The tour starts this summer. 
Even though Miss Lauren has been through a lot, her legacy still stands solid as a rock. Her influence remains prevalent among the new generation of performers today. My favorite album ever is The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. I was a big fan of Lauren Hill when she was in the Fugees anyway, and that was like a record I grew up listening to. generation with her lyrical prowess and soulful vocals and she empowered music artists with her unapologetic non-conformity. Miss Lauren Hill is nothing short of a musical gem sent from God himself and she is a true living legend. Thank you so much for watching this music documentary.